For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now if you remember last week we dealt with the, what I would call the, the awesome subject of the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. You know, and uh, we saw that it is explained, uh, first of all, by the offence, Adam's sin. Then by the law, which is the Old Testament. And then we saw that it, there is a penalty, which is death. And then there is this perfect answer, which is Christ and Him crucified. And last of all, the perfect outcome, clothed in His righteousness. I said that the offence of Adam put God's righteousness way out of reach. Way out of reach. I went on to say that the law showed us exactly how far away it went. And of course the penalty we saw is separation from God for time and for eternity. Coming to the answer, we saw the answer was Christ's perfect obedience, yet his suffering upon the cross because of the transgressions that uh, you and I have made. And of course the outcome was an entry into God's presence, where we are now. Now we are able to come boldly into the presence of God. Because now that righteousness that zoomed off into the distance in the Garden of Eden when Adam fell has come right down to us and now we are clothed in the righteousness of God. And it's such a, a thrill to see the whole plan being worked out in that way. Now, this week, as we come to the end of these few verses, I want us to concentrate on just two words from our text. Two words which to me define the whole of the epistle and more so the very gospel story itself. They are two words which are well known to us and um, I don't pretend that I'm going to tell you anything new tonight. I hope to remind us of a few things and confirm a few things but now, well, when you hear the words they will be difficult to say anything new about. And the first word is the word revelation and the second is faith. They are the two words that I want us to concentrate our thoughts upon tonight. Revelation and faith. Listen to it again. For in it, in the gospel, this is another reason not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Revealed. And this is it. You know, how did we know what we knew last Thursday? How could I ever preach a sermon as I did last Thursday? Is it because of my search for the truth? Is it because of my quest for reality? Is it 
in, in any way involved with philosophy? Has that played any part in my understanding? Have I found God in any way? Or even followed my parents down the same line of thought and discipline? Is the gospel something that I have discovered for myself? Or in any way designed myself? Is it common knowledge among the human family? You know, that's many reasons how we could come to an understanding of anything. By searching for it, by going on a quest, by looking into philosophy and the, the thoughts of other people, of making it up ourselves, of following our parents, or discovering things, or it's common knowledge. They are the, the sort of the mean, ways and means that we have of learning everything. Everything comes to us because of those few things. But the answer to the question is no. In fact, it's a thousand times no. In fact, the complete opposite is true. We haven't been invited to join in some great search after truth. That's not how it works. Jesus, you remember when he was talking to the Pharisees, he, he warned them. And he says, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. The search for truth. The search for understanding. The quest for reality brings nothing. Nothing, nothing at all. As far as God is concerned. Why? Well, because the gospel comes as a revelation. It doesn't come as a result of anything. It comes as a revelation. It is an unfolding of God's truth. An unmasking of God's righteousness. And not one of us have ever come to it on our own. By our own mental prowess. By our own painstaking search for something. It's all been revealed to us. It's all been revealed. We go back, I think again of when uh, Jesus asked those questions. Who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist. You know, that was a good um, deduction of what had taken place. And they said Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And you could think, yes, that's a wise answer. Because this is how he acts. This is what he says. This is what he does. You know, he's similar to all these other people. Then he goes on to say, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers and said, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you. Simon Barjona, because this hasn't been revealed to you by flesh and blood. You haven't come to this by your own understanding and your own meticulous examination of the facts. This hasn't come to you because Jeremiah said this or Isaiah said that or Elijah did this. This hasn't come to you because you've been listening to this over here or that over here. No. Jesus said this has been revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. You know, and I say it so often from this pulpit, thank God every day that God has revealed all of this to you. Because you haven't come to it 
by your own understanding or your own academic prowess. It's impossible. It's impossible. Being here tonight doesn't mean that you are more intelligent than anyone else. God, in His grace, has shown you something. God, in His grace, has shown me something amazing. God, in His grace, has opened up your heart and my heart, your mind and my hand, mind, to receive Him as Saviour. You know, Paul tells us in Corinthians that not many wise are called. Not many mighty are called. Not many noble are called. You see, those are the type of people you would expect to be way up there when it comes to understanding something. But he said, no, they weren't called. Not many anyway. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. You know, we know, don't we, that the Greeks, they looked after a, uh, wisdom. They searched after wisdom. The Jews searched after a sign. They were looking for stuff. They were examining stuff. They were coming to conclusions about stuff. But he says, no. No. Not the wisdom of this age. Not of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor you heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And when you look at those, that's our uh, senses. They're all there. Eyes, ears, heart, understanding. We can't get anywhere near him. Nowhere near him at all. It's impossible for human endeavor to get anywhere near God and understand who he is and what he has done for us. And we can try and try and try. You and the world is amassing knowledge in, in a way that blows your mind. That it doubles now in, in less than three or four years. You know, what it's going to be like in five years' time is up to this world. And you watched a program last night about modern food. It's frightening. You know, they, are, we are, they grow in food now in a, in a laboratory. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Then I watched another program where a, a, a man is able to pay his bill by his face. In China, I think, you know, Japan, he can walk into a shop or a... Uh, into a shop and have his bill and he could look at a screen and the screen will pick up his blood vessels and all the rest of it and he'll pay is that not great or you can use your hand to pay I wonder if that's got any significance about the, the, the run down to Armageddon and, uh, and the, the second coming and stuff the forehead and the arm it's all, it's all happening technology is way way uh, ahead of, of what's happening today and things are um, increasing at a pace but they'll never find Christ through all of that they got a computer what was that computer doing yesterday a computer now has been designed you know there are the chefs to put juniper with lamb and uh, orange with duck and, and uh, well of course 
uh, there's a computer now that does it for them and there was a lady on last night who was um, cooking food that a computer had amassed together to see what type of taste it would be computer computers can do anything it can think for itself now almost you know me are worried some people are worried that computers are going to overtake the world let me tell you this a computer will never point you to Christ never no, no, none of our knowledge and understanding because eye has not seen neither has you heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him but God has revealed them to us he has revealed them to us, to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things yes even the deep things of God the gospel of Christ Yes, it is implicit in the Old Testament. You know, and for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, as I say here, the Old Testament is brimful of the Gospel. We can see it everywhere. We can see Christ from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Malachi. It's, and it's easy to see Him. It's easy to see Him. But before Christ, the Gospel was implicit. It was there. It was hidden. You, Paul calls it the mystery of the ages hidden all the time but in Christ in Christ it has become explicit it's easy to see you and you and I can can understand that because it happens to us you know when you go into these academic uh, edifices you and they are studying the Old Testament they can't see Jesus in there at all you know it's an history of a Jewish nation it's this, it's a, it's a religion that some people partook of. You know, when we look at it, we can see Jesus all the time. You know, you go down to the shops, and, uh, bookshops, and you see Jesus in Exodus, Jesus in Genesis, Jesus in Isaiah, Jesus in the Psalms. He's everywhere. Why? Because He's opened up our eyes to it all. He's revealed Himself to us. You want this gospel that was implicit in the Old Testament has now become explicit in Christ. You know, you might ask yourself the question, why are the Jews so in the dark concerning the gospel of salvation? For goodness sake, they got the whole of the Old Testament. But what did Jesus say? You will not accept that I am the Christ. And because they will not accept that He is the Christ, then the revelation of the Old Testament is darkness to them. They can't understand what it's all about. You know, and then Paul, when we go to chapter 3 of this um, book that we are looking at, uh, he tells us there is a distinct advantage of being a Jew. You know, because the question is asked, well, what advantage is there of being a Jew? So I think it's chapter 3 um, starts. You know, and he goes on and says, it was because of them, to them, were committed the oracles of God. Everything that God said up until Christ, He told the Jews, and they've written it down. You know, and there's some amazing teaching in the Old Testament, amazing things. You know, we uh, we could spend well, we, we spend the we spent the Ula Bible and biscuits in the Old Testament. That's all these people want to hear is the Old Testament. But what do we see? What do we see in Joseph? We see Christ. What do we see in Ruth? We saw Christ. What have we seen in Jacob? We've seen in Jacob an honorable family so far. 
But one of these one of these evenings on a Tuesday night, we're going to see Christ because He's there somewhere. I can tell you that He's there. But the advantage of the Jew is that they want the oracles of God, but they remain in the dark because they won't accept Christ as Messiah. And it, it is only in Christ that the Old Testament is explained. It's a closed book until the knowledge of Christ is revealed. And then the Old Testament opens up like a flower in the sun. Christ is the catalyst for our understanding. And until He is revealed to us, then we remain in the dark. And that's a fact. But even if our gospel is veiled, says Paul, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, who has revealed to us in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. The Jews got no hope at all of understanding the Old Testament because they won't look into the face of Jesus Christ. Because there, the revelation is at its peak. God has revealed all these things to us through Christ. You know, as I say again, thank God every day that He has revealed all this to you because you couldn't have, wouldn't have come to it on your own. The gospel. Why is it important? Why shouldn't we be ashamed of it? It's because its origin is not in the inte intellect of man. But it's in the very divine mind of God. And it's He reveals it to us. Therefore it's got to be of the utmost importance. That's my first word. The word revelation. My second word is the word faith. And again, uh, we've looked at the subject of faith on so many occasions and there is uh, probably very little more we can say about it but I want you to notice in this little passage of scripture that it's used four times four times in this passage of scripture unless of course you've got an NIV that uh, it doesn't appear so many times in the NIV because they've got a different translation but four times the word faith so in my mind it must be essential to our understanding of the righteousness of God. Listen to it again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. That's the first use of the word faith. Believes. It's the same Greek word, of course. To the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. That's the second time. To faith, that's the third time. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's the fourth time. Now I don't know about you, but it seems to me that everybody or everyone considers themselves to have faith. Everybody's got faith. Faith in this or faith in that. Whatever it is, they've got faith in it. You know, and um, I've even heard people consider themselves to be Christians unbound for heaven 
without knowing anything of the righteousness of God or anything of the salvation that Christ has procured for them upon the cross they are Christians simply because they have faith faith such faith has no substance they can't explain it they can't tell you what it's in what it's about how it came it says faith I've got faith you've all got no faith such faith has no substance such faith has no object whatsoever it's just faith faith so let's read this 17th verse again for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith or we could read it for in it the righteousness of God is revealed by faith to faith you know what is Paul saying uh, in these words I tell you what he's not saying he's not telling us that faith is the condition of salvation it's one thing we always need to sort of have in our mind that it's not our faith that saves us that's important I think that's very very important you know as if our faith could ever be the basis of salvation and eternal well-being I wonder how many of us would actually sleep at night if our salvation depended on our faith if you really understood what that actually means because I've got to be honest my faith is up and my faith is down my faith is strong and my faith is weak my faith is visible and my faith is gone my faith is like this you know there are times when I'm there there are times when I'm there and I think to myself if my salvation depends upon this yo-yo thing I've got in my heart then I'm not going to get anywhere you know we used to, uh, we used to worry years ago uh, if God came to back to the world Christ came back to the world when we were in Dutz would he ever come in and fetch us that was the, the scaremongering of the bush mission don't you dare go to Dutz you can go on a Saturday morning but don't you ever go in a week not to see all those nasty films those X films uh, that are now on children's TV but what about faith what if he comes when we haven't got our faith you know and there are times when we it's difficult to believe faith I don't think I'd sleep I'd be on a very sticky wicket indeed and you would it was honest with me tonight if faith was the basis of my salvation if it was faith that made me righteous if it was faith that saved me if it was faith that guaranteed my place in heaven no the gift of uh, eternal life does not depend on my faith thank goodness for that neither is it neither is he telling us that faith is an easier route than the law you know as if God would take pity on us in 2016 being unable to keep the law he enlightens our Lord a little bit by just saying well just believe just believe just believe and you'll be, you'll be okay you know the Jews they suffered under the law they couldn't keep the law it was too you know too, too big for them to understand what did Paul, uh, Peter call it the burden of the law the yoke of bondage that Paul calls it and yet we've got this idea that he's made it easier for us now all we've got to do is believe 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 you know and I think I told you in the course that we did uh, 
Agora vai. Eu não tenho lugar não. Only journal security. I, I, yeah, I was brought up with the phrase, if I prove faithful. In other words, if my faith is strong, when he comes, I see him. If I prove faithful. If I, I couldn't keep the law, but I can believe, I can keep on believing, surely. This is what Paul isn't saying. He hasn't lightened our Lord and just saying, believe and you'll get in. Faith is neither a condition or the easy route to salvation. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians. He says, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. No, he's not coming in here today. His head is too big. Much, much too big. And here is what I would call a legalistic list. Lord, this is my legalistic list. This is the reason why you should allow me into you a heaven. This is the reason why I am righteous before you. These are the things that Saul used to get himself righteous before God. To get into heaven. To have eternal life. To be right with his creator. It has to do with birth. And birth, as we can see, gives us an opportunity to boast. It has to do with status which is another opportunity to boast. It has to do with religion. Yet another opportunity to boast. Disciplines, an opportunity to boast. Morality, an opportunity to boast. We could have today church attendance. It's an opportunity to boast. Prayer, an opportunity to boast. The reading of the word, an opportunity to boast. Charity, an opportunity to boast. Faith, an opportunity to boast. You and if anyone of those things, including faith, are what you are trusting in for your salvation, then you are lost. You are lost. Because none of these things will bring salvation and none of these things will bring the righteousness of God upon us. And besides, as I've said, the opportunity to boast is inerrant in all of those things. Yes, even faith. Ah, I'm justified because of my faith. It was my faith that did it. This other bloke, he didn't have faith. But I have, and it has saved me. Do you know that true faith, the faith that Paul is talking about, is the complete opposite to that. Faith contradicts and negates every tendency in man to say that his own merit is sufficient. Faith destroys any sense of worthiness we may possess or we may think we possess faith is simply the channel through which 
The righteousness of Christ comes to me. The righteousness of Christ is given to me through faith. Through faith. Faith does not justify me. It is the righteousness of Christ that justifies me. You know, I think that's a very, very important uh, thing to understand. Paul says in Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, faith is not our righteousness. Christ is. He is our righteousness. And when you read those verse, that verse in, in Ephesians chapter 2, you notice three little words, grace, gift, faith. Where do they come from? None of it is our doing. None of it is worked up by me. None of it comes from me. It's all given to me. Grace is something I don't ever deserve. Mercy is a gift. It's a gift of, uh, of God. You know, and uh, faith. Faith is a gift of God. And I'm so grateful that He gave it to me. Because the righteousness of Christ would never have been mine if He hadn't have opened up this channel of revelation between us. And He's just poured out this revelation upon me. Do you think Peter was working up his faith on that mountain when he says, Thou art the Christ? the son of the living God do you think he'd given some money to the poor before he went up there do you think he had boasted that he was a, a Jew and a Hebrew of the Hebrews and he was legally uh, righteous before God no of course he wasn't he was just a normal bloke looking at Christ in awe and all of a sudden God says understand this and by faith he understood it he understood it you know and he didn't go to, to his disciples and say do you see that that's because I believed. That's because I had faith. No, it came as a revelation. Through faith. I hope you can understand this. It took a long time for it to sink into my mind. So I'm hoping that I'm putting it over uh, in a way that you can understand. Faith destroys any sense of worthiness that we may possess. It's the channel through which the righteousness of Christ is given to me, it is the righteousness of Christ that justifies. It is His righteousness that puts me right. And it comes to me through faith. It's not our doing. I'm repeating myself now. You know, what have we got to boast in? Nothing of ourselves. If you go to chapter 3, uh, in, this chap in this book, it says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? The law of works? No, by the law of faith. Here we are again. It's faith. God's gift. God's mercy. God's amazing endowment to each and every one of us. You know, we sort of sing to me there, when I survey. And one of the verses is a reference straight out of Galatians. But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Righteousness comes by faith. But then we go on. The next bit. By faith to faith. By faith to faith. Out of faith, 
interfaith it's a quite a difficult passage to understand and I suppose that for every one of us here there is a commentator who would give a different view of what it means the NIV helps us a little I'm not sure if it's the, you know, it says by faith from first to last is that what it says John? by faith from first to last you know, it just dropped the word faith in, in so it only occurs three times in the NIV but it does ex- sort of try to explain uh, what it means you know and uh, we don't become righteous through faith we've already done that and we don't maintain it through faith either we don't maintain it through our own goodness I mean you know, I found this quote and, uh, on the net tonight, this afternoon, and uh, I suppose that in a way it explains an awful lot, and yet it does leave us a little bit in the air as well. This phrase literally means out of faith to faith. Faith is both the ground and the goal. The Christian worldview is by faith through and through. It is by faith first and last. And we completely rely on the sufficiency of God for salvation. We obtain God's righteousness solely by faith. This is the primacy of faith. The source from of God's righteousness is faith. Faith is the ground for receiving that righteousness. There is humility in receiving God's righteousness because we have to trust someone else in order to receive it. That's the first faith. That's what we've already done. Then it goes on to faith refers to the action of faith not works on the part of the believer God bestows his righteousness on the principle of trust and faith in his provision so the gospel both awakens faith and produces faith now that um, helps us to understand some things but other things still a little bit easy to me you know and um, I gotta be honest uh, I was a little bit baffled with that. But all I know is this. I think the NIV helps me the most. And I come to this through faith. And I go through it in faith. No, I haven't come to, to God for uh, a clean slate. Oh, I'm, I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that. I remember um, a, a children's story when I was in Sunday school of a, uh, a boy who was naughty all the time and um, his mother or father gave him a blackboard and every time he was naughty he had to knock a nail in the blackboard and he thought it was great so he filled the blackboard with nails so then his, his father said to him every time you're good you can take one out so every time he was good he took one out and he took them all out and he was so proud but his father said look at the blackboard it's ruined it's full of holes I'll give you a new blackboard and I thought that was a brilliant story you know, I, I thought yeah, that's, that's what salvation is all about. I've been a new blackboard. But what do you do with a new blackboard? You start knocking nails into it again. And you're in the same boat all the time. You know, God hasn't given us a new blackboard. Or a new slate. He hasn't thought, well, you've done this. You were born in sin. You've done this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a new one and start it. No. Our new one would be in the same position within weeks of having it. He doesn't give us a new blackboard by faith we are given the righteousness of God and by faith we are kept in the righteousness of God it's all about him he is sufficient for all things I'm not worthy for nothing or anything 
And I can't do anything of my own. That's why this place is so empty tonight. Because that's alien to us. That's taboo. Because especially in today's world, you know, we've got to be positive and think highly of ourselves and walk with our heads held high. No, but the Bible says, come humbly before Him. Come humbly before Him. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you can't do anything for yourself. Let God take the string. Let God do the two for you what he, that only He can. The cross of Calvary is a, is a stigma to people because it means that I need Him. I need Him. If I'm going to know the righteousness of, Christ, of God, if I'm going to spend eternity with God, I need Him. You know, He's hanging on a tree like a criminal. But that's who I need. Because that's where I am. That's who I am. You know, and it's an awful vision to have of yourself. You recoil from Him. But what you're doing is recoiling from yourself. And we pretend to be better than that. And more upright than that. And, and all this, what did Isaiah say? All your righteousnesses is as filthy rags before Him. And until we come to that place... No, that's what Paul says. All these things. You only must have come with a bag of righteousness like this. And he put them at the feet of Christ. He said, what do you think of that lot? And Christ said, that's filthy rags in my sight. Push them away. The righteousness of Christ is what we need. In our, and then to finish, we have these famous words from Habakkuk. The just shall live by faith. That's just the fourth word of faith this is the phrase of course we know that kit started the reformation and has brought us you this evening to uh, a true expression of the gospel I suppose I know it's uh, superfluous to say but if Martin Luther hadn't discovered this phrase perhaps we you know the, the, the gospel would never have reached uh, you and I but you know that uh, God would have used someone else to discover this phrase what had Martin Luther tried, been trying to do up until this point he had been trying and failing to live up to the righteousness of God it was both impossible and he admitted it and it was terrifying at the same time what an horrible place to be in knowing that without the righteousness of God we never see him we never know his presence. We never have peace in our soul. There will always be guilt. There will be uh, condemnation heaped upon us. You know, and he's looking at this word. And he's thinking, the righteousness of God. You know, and um, this is what he says. I formerly hated the expression, the righteousness of God. Well, I, I can't, don't blame him, do you? Because the righteousness to, of, of God to him was something he couldn't attain to and yet he knew that it was condemning him to hell. What a place to be in. What a terrible place to be in. Knowing that you can't achieve that and not achieving it is at the death knell for eternity. But having discovered as we have tried to do tonight and I hope you've I've discovered some things that I've been trying to say that God's righteousness is not revealed as an unreachable thing as the law would suggest 
and therefore full of condemnation and dread. But the righteousness of God is actually the endowment from God by faith. He's given it to us. You want your reason, Luther? Thinking, wow, look at me. I've been searching for it. I've been trying to attain it. I've been condemned by it. I'm almost at my wit's end because of it. But all the time, God has given it to me. It's not wonderful. It's absolutely incredible. But Luther came to this understanding that God was giving it to him forever. Christ having become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. God's giving it to us. We haven't got to attain or work it out or endeavor or chuck loads of merit at Him. He just gives it to us out of the goodness of His heart. Ooh, that's, that's wonderful to me. It's an endowment from God. Because Christ became sin, we can become the righteousness of God. It means that we are made righteous through Christ and its sacrifice. You know, the full quote of, of Luther says, As I had formerly hated the expression, the righteousness of God, I now began to regard it as my dearest and most comforting word. So that this expression of Paul's became to me, in very truth, the gate of paradise. The gate of... Can you remember last week? When I said that God had barred the way to the tree of life? Barred the way to the tree of life. There was a, an angel with a flaming sword of righteousness. Turning every way. You know, and no one can get back to that place. Which is the tree of life. And yet, Luther found this wonderful expression. The righteousness of God revealed. As the gate to that place. And once again he found himself in paradise. No understanding such amazing truths are difficult. Uh, perhaps tonight, perhaps some of you, uh, perhaps all of you, have found it difficult to understand what I've been saying. I don't know. But what I do know is that we progress through the epistle. Again, we're only in the introduction. These are in the introductions. This is what Paul is going to uh, bring out through the, the time that we have together um, uh, in, in the epistle of Romans. So, um, the way things are going, we've been doing this now for 21 weeks, and I've lost about six people. So, by the time we get to where this is all um, going to be revealed, it's going to be me and you, Dave. <laughs> so, <laughs> the way it's going. But then, of course, when we get further on and we understand more things, we get a greater grasp. So don't think, don't go home tonight thinking, what on earth was he on about tonight? What a waste of time. We could have stopped home and watched Death in Paradise. Don't worry about that. Sky plus it. Because we're going to get a greater grasp, which will result in a greater anthem of praise from each of us as we realize exactly, and I'm beginning to realize more and more, what God has done for me and I'm so grateful to him I could be honest for his name's sake Amen. Amen. Amen.